Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 48. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Cal, the crypto craze is still strong. And I was thinking about a headline I saw that we forgot to mention. So Tesla announced a $1.5 billion acquisition in Bitcoin. And this comes after a couple other companies did the same. So I remember hearing Square did last fall, they bought about $50 million worth. And at the time, I think it was about 4,000 coins. And there's a big company called MicroStrategy. That CEO decided to de-risk his cash on his balance sheet and buy some Bitcoin. I think he was the one who actually tweeted to Elon Musk to go do the same. And here's what's funny. I think we're going to see companies do that. And these earnings calls are going to be about, well, we sold this many cars, we made this much money, but our Bitcoin 3x this quarter. I think we'll see a huge appreciation in size that way in terms of people's crypto holdings. And there's a company called Grayscale that holds about $30 billion worth of crypto. So I actually follow some other tickers. I recommend some of you do the same. If you look up Grayscale Bitcoin or Grayscale Ethereum, you can essentially buy in, I guess it's like an ETF. So you can go buy into a ticker and those mirror what crypto is doing. So if you want to get involved in this space, I'd recommend doing that. You can go to your favorite brokerage and look those up and start following them. So what I wanted to bring up, Cal, was people for years have said it's too late to buy in. And that is something that a lot of people will say about big tickers like Apple or Tesla or any other of the big names. But I think we keep going back to the same thing, which is no one really knows what the end goal of crypto is or where it's going to end up. So how can you properly value if it's late or not? And this has got to be the first time big public companies are buying up huge balances of crypto and are making it publicly known because they're publicly traded. So they have to. And we've seen probably what a 3x since last fall. We're well over our prediction. And this is what I wanted to bring up, which is, is there such a thing as being late? when it comes to trying something and when it comes to taking a position? Or does it just mean you take a large position size and go for a smaller multiple? It's almost like VCs who will go for a three to 30x return instead of a thousand x return. So what do you think? Is being late a thing? People throw around the whole FOMO idea. What do you think? Is there such a thing as being late? Are the big corporate funds too late into crypto? What are your thoughts on that? In absolute terms, I do believe that, yes, there is such a thing as being too late. But when it comes to things like crypto, I don't know if it's too late or not. I don't think anyone really does. From the looks of it, even though at $50,000 a coin at the time of this recording seems high, it might not be too late. And it might be, I really can't tell you, but there's some big analysts who see the price go as high as $150,000 a coin by the end of the year. And the adoption rate is actually pretty low still. So there is a chance for it to squeeze significantly higher. So it's really difficult to say. But in terms of, let's say, investments or a trade where you get in trying to make money off this trade and you can jump in and actually buy at the very top, at the time of you buying in, you wouldn't know that. But again, in hindsight, 
you would. And you might think that that was a fear of missing out move, right? So you fell victim to FOMO and you ended up buying at the top or near it. The plan or what I find ideal is if you actually have a reason to believe that the value of what you're getting into is worth what it's at, and you're convinced with why that would be, then who's to say that you're wrong? And you see that it can have significantly higher value based on your research and what you believe in. So could it actually be the top? Maybe. I don't think it is personally, but I'm not an expert on the matter. And I don't think anyone is quite yet. You know what? To just give an update, I think the trial is actually happening today, but Keith Gill, the guy who goes by DFV, he's quote unquote leading the GameStop movement. He's the most famous because he actually got sued in the upcoming trial and he's going to court to testify about the whole Jimmy topic we covered. And you can go read his statement. He actually said he still believes that Jimmy's undervalued and he's essentially playing long. So that's a good point. I think it comes down to conviction. So vote with your dollars, vote with your time and decide what you think the future is, right? We'll keep our listeners updated. I do want to see what happens with that court case. So what I wanted to ask Cal was buying the top. If you're going to just be a day trader, is there a way to avoid doing that based on some kind of technicals or is it just a guessing game? What do you think about that? Yes and no. One way to avoid that is if you can understand the technical analysis of a chart. Even though I believe in technical analysis, it's not an exact science. It is still driven by emotion, driven by volume, and your analyses could still have issues or imperfections in them, so it could be wrong. But what you're trying to do is play the odds game. So based on a chart, if let's say that the price of whatever you're trying to buy is going up and it's reaching to what we call a resistance level. So it's a level that previously that price got to and it sold off after that. So that's a psychological level of resistance for people who already own that stock in this case and are trying to sell it because now it's reaching those levels. If it actually breaks that level, then it would turn into a support level. So people actually start buying at that price because now it broke into that level. There's no guarantee that it'll squeeze a lot higher. There are things called a false breakout or a fake breakout. So it can just go slightly higher and then drop back down again. And there are two things. If you are purely just a trader, I would say if you feel that it's already too high, it can go a lot higher. You don't know. But maybe just hold off because there would be something else. If you just feel it's too risky, you're not comfortable with it, and it doesn't agree with your analysis, then just leave it alone. If you actually jump in and it ends up being at the top or near it and it's going against you, then the number one rule is just cut your losses very quickly. Accept it and then just move on. It's different when you're an investor. This is just called volatility if you're an investor and you just think this is just part of the price action. And the daily price action doesn't really matter much as much as how it's going to turn out in five years from now or longer. So cutting losses. I personally don't like to follow the herd and just buy because everyone else is buying. I would buy if everyone else is buying, if they convince me or if I'm convinced that there's a good reason for that to happen. Everyone else is buying into something I like is just confirmation for me to do it. But 
me jumping in into something without really knowing why and then just buying for the sake of it because it's going up. I think that's more on the gambling side than on the trading side. Yeah, fair enough. And it makes sense. So I'm assuming maybe you've tried. I think it only takes one second for someone to get humbled by the markets by just jumping in and actually seeing firsthand how something could go against you. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, that doesn't work. And I think the goal is to not make the same mistakes over and over, right? Or else you'll blow up your account or end up in not a very rational or methodical approach and then maybe get discouraged, right? What about you? What makes you like a certain stock and decide that it's a good play? Especially with trading, do you look for two or three technical factors? What do you think? When it comes to my trading habits, I can see that I've changed quite a lot in the past few years. Unintentionally, it just happened as my knowledge increased, my risk appetite has changed, and me accepting of what's a good rate of return, what's a good profit return. And all of that has really changed. So before, I could be in something that's up 100 or 200%, and I would think I can go maybe to 500% or 1,000% or more. And even though theoretically it could, it's usually unlikely for the majority of things. That's my perspective. And the reason for that is because when I first started, I did lose quite a bit of money. I mean, for me, it wasn't large sums of money, but for me, it was. And that's when I learned that the pain and the agony of losing the money was way worse than me actually making it. So if I make 200% return, I'd be happy. But if I lose half my account, I'd be way more miserable than the feel of me making more money. So I realized that I'd rather reduce that side, the dissatisfaction part of it, and be more careful in that sense. I'd still try to take large profits and good returns, but I should be content of when should I take those profits and how do I trim off some profit off the table. So what I started doing is if I buy something, they fit my technical criteria, even though it might be very, very expensive, but I still feel there's reason for it to go higher. I would buy it either with a small position or if I jump in and it keeps going higher, I would take profit early, like quarter the position or half the position, and then let the rest ride higher with the rest if possible. If it ends up dropping, then either I take a smaller profit and exit the whole position or try to get out break even on the other half. So that way I can see at least I tried and I didn't miss out. But at the same time, I didn't lose any money or I made money, but just not as much. Yeah. It's funny for how much of trading is so in the moment. I think the fundamentals are still long-term in that you don't want to end up losing and sinking your boat. So that's actually a good perspective. What about profit? I mean, taking some off the table, does that help with some uncertainty? Because it sounds like people who trade want to have some conviction on a play. And by definition, you have to be right at the right ratios to make money. And you can't just be guessing necessarily. So I guess what I'm asking is, 
how important is certainty? And if you're so certain about a play, why take off the table? Is it because ultimately the certainty is still questionable or it's maybe very fluid? So if you think of moving water, what's true at one point in time might not be true in the next five seconds or 10 minutes. What might be true now might change. And I mean, I don't have that experience in terms of reading charts and having scanners and all that up there, but how important is that too? So I guess, what are we looking at when we take some money off the table on a trade? Is it because you got too lucky and you realize that that return was maybe more than you expected and you take your wins and bank them for a rainy day? Or what's the psychology there behind taking some off the table? When you're a trader, you actually want to grow your account. That's the case with being an investor as well. But the goal with trading is you want to actually realize your profits. You're not holding long term. You could be trading a stock or a cryptocurrency or a commodity, even though you believe that it's not the way. Maybe you don't believe in Bitcoin, but you still trade it because you do believe that it'll go up short term. So what you do is you just need it to go your way for a very short period of time, whether it was one day, one minute, one week. You don't care what happens after that, as long as you're not in the trade. So when you take profit, what you're doing is you're confirming that what you did is right. You're reducing your risk because now you have less capital invested into it. And what you're doing is because you don't know how higher it will go, you don't want to miss out on the rest of the gains. And then you can say, at the price profit that I took, I'm now at break even. So even if I lose all the money that's whatever's left in it, I could be net positive or net break even. So I can risk holding it and letting it go further up if I believe it'll go that way. So that's what it is. And ultimately, the number in your account is what reflects you becoming a successful trader or not. Buying at the top is something that a lot of people fall victim to more than one might think. But that's why nine out of 10 traders actually end up losing money. And everyone who gets into this game believes that they're the ones who are going to make it, including myself, but it's significantly harder. When you actually take the profit, you increase the probability of your success rate. And because no one is going to be right 100% of the time, you only need to be right more than you're wrong. And when you're wrong, you have to keep your losses smaller than when you're right making profits. So that's when you actually win. That's when you actually end up growing. And you get to a point where you buy at the top or near the top if something's moving higher. And we see that a lot lately with a lot of stocks, a lot of cryptocurrencies, a lot of commodities. Everything is squeezing higher and higher. So people just keep buying, 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 think that this will be the case forever. That's not always the case. So without having an exit plan, you're not going to grow your wealth. You're not going to develop yourself. So if you actually buy near the top, you have to have a plan that I need to know if things go against me, when do I exit? How do I exit? And what do I need to do? Yeah, Cal. So it sounds like by definition, at least for trading, the market's so vast and none of this is going away, whether we're in a bubble or a depression, there's opportunities all over the place for trading specifically. And it's essentially like learning martial arts or training and growing through the ranks of 
sports or the Olympics, you might have idols or people you want to learn from. And as you grow and learn and practice your technique, that is where the resilience gets developed, the strategy. And that is likely the difference between being good and not. In terms of being late, you're essentially never late if you're always learning and practicing and growing. So I find it intriguing. I think it's a valuable skill. And what I've learned from the trading life, I think the biggest, as you said, is cutting losses and being able to value something and say, well, something's changed. I'm not going to hold this asset. I'm going to switch it out for another one. And with public equities, it's actually quite easy. And a strategy I like, if you are long a company and there's a medium dip for the next 6, 12, 18 months because of macro, because of bad news cycles or any kind of factors, maybe an underperforming quarter, you have a chance to you have a chance to actually grow your holdings by selling at your cost if there's a huge correction. And you could be buying at 50 cents on the dollar or some huge number. And what that translates to in terms of your holdings is you double a position size. So you can own two Bitcoin instead of one, or maybe own 200 shares of Apple instead of 100. And I like that from a risk perspective, because to get the same, you're going to get a 10x return instead of five over the long term. And being able to cycle through positions that way, I think is quite good because not only is that an option, so you can actually grow in wealth faster, you may be able to de-risk as well because instead of having to spend $10,000 on a position, you're spending five. And all of a sudden you've got more cash to deploy into something else. And I think the whole risk thing is an interesting topic. I'm still kind of wrapping my head around how to think about it. But there are so many opportunities out there that is something late. I think if you're learning, you're never late. I don't think that's a statement someone should make. You only set those limits yourself. We've talked about it on one's own perspective, which is stop looking at people to say you're late because someone else graduated first or got a certain job or hit a milestone in life, I think is holding yourself back. I think it's not being in tune with yourself in terms of who you are as a person. And I think being able to look inside and to know yourself to say, do I truly know what I want to do and what kind of goals I want to set for myself, I think is ultimately far more important than picking some arbitrary thing and saying, well, someone else is hitting a milestone or maybe another company did well and I picked the wrong investment or anything. So I think in that journey, you have to know yourself a lot more than you pay attention to others. That's why I always talk about who you follow and what kind of content you consume, because I think a big factor to success and why people say, well, okay, this person worked harder or maybe had the right circumstances. And I would say you can actually craft those depending on what you consume and what you follow and what your baseline is. So if someone's baseline is, I can't do this, or that's not me, but another person's baseline is, how can I learn today? How can I grow? I think those two people or those two perspectives that someone holds will absolutely yield a different outcome and will have a huge trajectory difference on who you become as a person. I think there's a huge difference there. Absolutely. I agree with you. And like I said, it's technically never too late to learn. But again, knowing how to not compare yourself to others to the point that because others jumped in, because others took this step, because others reached this milestone, 
That means I have to. You can set that target to yourself, but don't compare yourself to others. You're at your own pace. You'll get there as long as you're committed, consistent, disciplined, all the things that we talked about. Yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. So make sure you're always learning and growing and have a good baseline for what you're thinking about, what you're consuming, where you spend your time. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. That was Methodical Millions, episode 48. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.